Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 25 of Aussie Talks. This episode is being recorded about an hour and 15 minutes before the first ball is set to be bowled in the third Ashes Test match and what could be a deciding test match for this Australian cricket team. So we're going to be doing a quick review of the second test, getting some listeners' thoughts on why England are 2-0 down and what they can do to try and overcome uh, this huge deficit that's only been overcome once in the history of Ashes cricket. So let's dive straight into the second test review in which Australia took away once again another scintillating test win. So just a few short days ago, Australia took away another scintillating test match win by 43 runs. And just like that, it's a 2-0 series lead. And they've got a clear opportunity in uh, a couple of hours' time or an hour's time to win the Ashes for the first time in England since 2001, not retain to win it. And it'd be a huge opportunity and really cement this team uh, up there as in the conversation as one of the better Australian sides. Um, and, and it's been done by a team performance. It's not been one individual doing something out of this world. There's been individual brilliance through these two test matches from Kawaja, from Smith, from Cummins, from Nathan Lyon, uh, from Travis Head, from Alex Carey. You know, there's been individual brilliance, but it's the team aspect, that team mentality, the ability for there always to be in there with a chance, whether it be the number one or the number 11, it doesn't matter for Australia. Their team uh, ability or just team skill right now is just obliterating England's team skill. You know, you look at England. I was thinking with this 2-0 result or 2-0 series lead Australia currently have, with the first test, that could have easily been an England win if Stokes takes that unbelievable catch. And in some magical world, if Stokes was to continue to go on and make 200, 210, 215, whatever it would have been to get England over the line in this test, all of a sudden... It's 2-0 England or it's 1-1. But I'm saying Stokes, Stokes, Stokes. It's one person. England require someone to do something which is just ridiculous. I don't think Australia require that. Pat Cummins, what he did in the first test to get Australia over the line with Nathan Lyon, that was that was nuts. No one expected that. But he got help on the other end. It's right now, it's Stokes or bust. Stokes needs to do something insane for England for them to have any shot at winning. And that's why Australia held 2-0 result, plain and simple. You can break it down, controversies, the pitch, bowling, selection, fielding, whatever it may be, philosophy, baseball versus normal test cricket, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it's come down to which side has had the better team performance as an 11. Right now, Australia are leaps and bounds above England. So doing a quick review on the test match, and then we'll get to um, some listener thoughts that I've messaged a few mates uh, prior to recording this podcast. But first, let's look at the review of the test. So England won the toss, and you've heard in the media all week, Zach Crawley says, oh, we're going to win by 150 runs. You know, I felt like it, we feel like we won the first test. Well, mate, you didn't. Plain and simple, you can feel whatever the hell you want, but reality is reality. So they win the toss. It's a green top, and they send us in. So I, I think Australia probably would have done the same thing, but they came out with no intent. 
you know, Kevin Peterson absolutely cracked at him at T. You know, Australia were like 190 for two or something like that and were just cruising. They did better in the last session, England, to just sort of have a little bit of control or over the way Australia just went about it. But like, to make 416 in the first innings when you're sent into bat uh, or what was a green top at the start, is very well done. You know, Warner had one of his better innings of 66, and, you know, you may not notice a 66 looking back on this, but just to occupy the crease, keep the score ticking over, it's probably one of his better innings in England uh, and looked set for 100 before Josh Tung got him with an absolute beauty. Uh, but the star of the first innings was Steve Smith. There's not much more I can say about the man. He's an hour away from playing his 100th test match, and statistically he's the best since Bradman. Uh, he's still... Got plenty of test matches left in him, and it's scary to think how good the stat sheet could be for his career uh, when he wraps up in a couple of years down the track. And and to think that he missed a year with, obviously, the ball tampering scandal is just ridiculous how good this guy is, and hopefully it continues because to see him back uh, the way he does and his cover drives, the way he plays the short ball, he, even his mannerisms, it's a, it's a sight to behold. Um and he just looks like, when he's on, he just looks like he's in control on every single shot he plays. There's no loose shots. You know, there's no luck. It's just all class from this man. So that's Steve Smith in a nutshell. Travis had to have 77 in the first innings, but overall, to make 416 after being sent in, you take that any day. In the first innings for England, well, they seized back momentum, didn't they? And it almost looked like they were on top. They had an opportunity to either match Australia's score at worst or even take a first innings lead. You know, Crawley got 48, Duckett unlucky, got 98, you know, nearly nearly got 100 there. But they were 188 for one. Pope went out, that made a twofer. Since then, they only made 150 more runs. They just had an opportunity there, and it just went like that. Like, we have a look at this right now. Starting on day three, England were four for 270-odd, four for 278. Ben Stokes, second ball of the day, edges gets uh, straight, gets squared up, edges caught, and from then they lose six for 47. You just can't do that against this Australian side. It is plain and simple. The shots that they played just made absolutely no sense. It is not a real uh, cricket team the way that they played in that first innings. It came back to bite them. Harry Brook made 50 playing smart cricket. Smart cricket shots. He worked it around. You know, yes, he had some good shots. You know, four fours, you know, going at a strike rate of 73, but he wasn't doing anything silly. You know, Australia bowling way too short. They bowled way too short the whole test match. You know, they got the win in the end, and I'll talk about that later, the bowling way too short. But they bowled short to him, and all he did was work it around, work it around, ones, twos, you know, the occasional boundary. So what did you do once he gets 50? He steps aside and tries to do like a forehand smash like you're playing tennis and hits it to like a deep cover three-quarters of the way to the fence for an easy catch for Pat Cummins. It's just not a real cricket shot. And, you know, I, I didn't watch... I wasn't really able to watch any of the test match because I was in Vietnam. Uh, that's why this podcast is coming out a few days after the test matches. I only got back today. Um, but seeing all the stuff as I woke up in the morning and, and all the highlights and the commentary, I'm like, this is just ridiculous the way they play their cricket shots. And it's no wonder they're 2-0 down because they need individual brilliance from what is silly cricket shots from... Eight out of the 11 batsmen. 
You know, and to lose 647, it's simply not good enough. Uh, and they went in with nearly a 100-run deficit when they look like, at worst, they would be matching Australia. So looking at Australia's second innings, look, England bowled pretty well. It, it, the pitch started doing a few things. Um, you know, Nathan Lyon coming out is will be the story of, of, of that innings. Him coming out to bat and putting on 15 runs with... Uh, with Pat Cummins, or sorry, with Mitch Stark, uh, it just shows the spirit, the spirit of cricket. You know, we, we spoke about, we're going to speak about the spirit of cricket uh, with some controversies in a minute, but Nathan Lyon coming out, that was class. Uh, you know, he's unfortunately done for the series with a, a calf's, uh, basically just doing his calf. You know, he's played 100 straight test matches, uh, an unbelievable bowler, just shy of 500 test wickets, and uh, he's not done in his test career just yet. But for him to come out was exemplary and a real role model for basically anyone who plays cricket and watches for him to come out and, and to score some runs and to get a 15-run partnership, which in, which in the end, uh, you know, a 43-run win, you need every run you can get. So England bowled well. They needed 371 to win. And then Australia turned it on. Four for 40. They were, looked like they were going to do it easy. And then the first controversy, which I reckon will be forgotten about in a week uh, just because of what happened uh, in the later hours on day five. But Mitchell Stark t- took that catch. He took that catch. Oh, I'm sorry. He he had control of it. And oh, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know the rules by subparagraph and dot point and everything, but that's a catch. You know, he's caught it, he's taken two steps, he's gone to the ground, and he's obviously... The, the problem is is that the ball touched the ground, and the argument is that it's used the ground to maintain control. You know, you even had English pundits coming out and saying it was a catch. So that one there, look, as long as they're consistent with it, I don't have a huge issue, but... I don't exactly agree with that one too much. And yes, it's Australian bias. And yes, I'll have Australian bias with the controversy with Carey. But I think there's a more logical thing behind it. The Stark one, that's a catch. He had control of it. If you land, you know, if you tuck your elbows in there, with the way the turf was at Lords, you know, you're doing it. You're hurting your elbow. You're hurting your shoulder. That That's a catch. I'm sorry. Plain and simple. But that is not the number one controversy of the day's play. Johnny Bairstow on 10. Didn't look good. Cameron Green bowls a bouncer. He bowled plenty of them. It was rubbish, but bowled a bouncer. End of the over. Carey throws it back, hits the stumps. Bairstow's out of his crease. Out. Plain and simple. End of story. However, the English media and uh, the English coach, the English players have just acted like uh, sooks. It's the only way to put it. Dead set sook. Alex Carey did nothing wrong. He took the ball off Green's bouncer and threw it at the stump straight away. It's not like he hesitated like Johnny Bairstow did in the past, 2014. Go watch the clip. It's 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 quite uh, funny considering all the stuff that's been said uh, in the last couple of days. But he took control of the ball, threw it back straight away. It's hit the stumps. Johnny Bairstow was out of his crease, plain and simple, that's out. Anyone who says that the over was dead does not know, or the ball was dead, does not know cricket. Does not know cricket. The English Barmy Army put a thing up on their Twitter page saying every time or the ball shall be declared dead when the keeper has the, his gloves on it. So using that theory, uh, no player will ever be, ever be stumped. So clearly just, I don't know who's running the Barmy Army's Twitter page. Just get your facts right, champ. Um, but that's out. He stepped out of his crease. It's dopey. It's silly. It's uh, 
just not what you see in under in professional cricket. It's what you see in under twelves, under fourteens. You know, it's it's club cricket standard, and and it would have happened in club cricket. You know, the the, the recently gone Australian club cricket summer that would have happened. You know, keepers do that every weekend to try and get a run out or a stumping or whatever it may be. You stay in your crease, Bearstow. Everyone goes, oh, you know, it's a dog act. It's a dog act. Ben Stokes hadn't even got to the non, uh, past the non-strikers crease, so there's no argument that like Ben Stokes had started walking towards Bearstow for the end of the over. Bearstow, you've got to stay in your crease. It's out, plain and simple. I don't think anyone who has an argument that it's not out doesn't know the laws of cricket and it clearly hasn't played and doesn't understand a thing. Where there's a fraction of an argument, and I don't agree with this, is that whether or not Australia should have withdrawn their appeal. There's been plenty of commentary from the facts from the likes of Piers Morgan. Now, I don't know what Piers Morgan knows about cricket, that being said, uh, and just, you know, members of the MCC saying it's un-Australian. Uh, Jeffrey Boycott, I think, is one of them. Rishi Sunak even cracked at the, the UK Prime Minister. Um, uh, again, no, know your place, but oh well. Um saying that, oh, it's same old Australians, it's the worst thing since the underarm ball, it's the worst thing since Sandpaper Gate, all this sort of stuff, same old Aussies, same old cheats. It's out is out. Out is out. He's out of his crease. How is it the Australians' fault that Johnny Bairstow's walked out of his crease in a dopey style? How? How is it? Please tell me. Genuinely. Anyone who says to withdraw the appeal doesn't understand the laws of cricket. And I understand that if it probably happened the other way, we'd probably feel, oh, you know what? It's not in. It's not great. You know, oh, spirit of the game, all this sort of stuff. We'd probably be saying the same thing. So that's the beauty of the Ashes cricket when it's nation versus nation. If the shoe was on the other foot, we'd probably say the same thing. But anyone who has the argument about the spirit of the game, go read the enshrined spirit of the game uh code of conduct in the MCC uh, saying that you need to respect the game, respect your opponents and respect the umpire's decision. Those are the three points. You can go look it up. It's right there in the MCC to look for you. But that was the main controversies there. Bearstow, you're out. Keep walking, champ. Now, Ben Stokes. That controversy woke him up. I have said he is arguably the best big game cricket player potentially ever. 2019 World Cup final, 2022 World Cup final, 2020, 2019, Headingley. You know, what he did was incredible. And what he did here, if he had have got England over the line, it would have been the greatest ever knock in the history of Test cricket. He made 150, 150-odd off about 214, off 214 balls, and I reckon he scored 80, 90 of those runs off about 50 balls. He just went the whack, and it was good. It was you know, as a fan of the game, it was exciting. You know, I was listening to it on, on SEN New Zealand. It was, that was the only thing that wasn't blocked uh, in Vietnam to listen to the cricket. And I'm watching, I'm listening to it, and it's Ben Stokes for six. Oh, he's hit nine sixes, and I'm going, he's going to do it again. He's going to make 200. He's going to make 210, and he's going to do it again and break Australian hearts and put England back into the series. But he didn't. He, he unfortunately was not able to do something that would have been out of this world. He did something extraordinary, but he didn't do something out of this world because no one else went with him. Ben Duckett was the only other person to make a score. And it goes back to what I said at the start of this segment. I know it's been a long segment, so if you're still here, thank you very much. But the team performance of Australia is why they're 2-0 up. England require brilliance from certain individuals like Stokes and Root. They 
just don't have the team effort and the team basis, and that's where Basball has fallen over. So that's my sort of review on the second test, uh, not touching on what the uh, England coach has said. There's plenty of stuff out there that you can go have a watch for yourself. I don't need to elaborate uh, on that. Uh, no one wants a beer with him anyway. But let's get into your thoughts on why England are really 2-0 down. Sliced away, Carey and Carey Hazelwood combine to end a quite magnificent innings from Ben Stokes. So a couple of hours ago, I sent a few messages out to some of my mates uh, to get their thoughts on why they think this England side, which is meant to change cricket, this baseball, this philosophy, this idea, uh, and why the fact they are 2-0 down in the series. So let's get into some of the listeners' thoughts. So starting us off is Adam, who says, because they refuse to change their philosophy and that doesn't work against sound teams, and I completely agree with that, you have a look at who England have beaten with this baseball team. You know, an average New Zealand side where... New Zealand set big totals for England and England just batted it out against subpar attacks. Um, You know, South Africa, another one, subpar. We saw what they did in Australia. What were they going to do in England conditions? You know, Pakistan, again, on roads. They did it in a one-off test against India. And, you know, it didn't work in New Zealand. It hasn't worked on similar conditions that Australia are used to with the New Zealand. You know, they lost by one run uh, playing that style of cricket. You know, I know it's a a bit stiff to have a go over a one-run loss, but the philosophy just hasn't worked. And, you know, Australia are the best team in the world in a neutral condition if, you know, it's plain and simple right now. And it has not worked against this 11 who clearly have built their mental side since the India series. So, yeah, refusing to change his baseball philosophy, uh, whether it be from the top-order batsman to the middle-order batsman, even to the lower batsman. When Ben Stokes went out, Ollie Robinson, who has a first-class 100, mind you, was probably the last sound bat to maybe give England just a little bit more of a sniff. He got out for one playing some rubbish baseball shot because of this philosophy against sound bowling. So spot on there from Adam. Uh, Jaden has said in very short and sweet, too arrogant and too stubborn. 100% agree. The talk in between the first and the second test match, it acted like they won. Right now, there's a zero on the scoreline and it's in their win column. So they've got absolutely nothing that they can go back on. And unfortunately, they think they do. Looking at what Jacob has said, they haven't been able to win the big moments across both tests, and I completely agree. They have always found a way in England just to have something go their way, whether it's someone do something out of this world or Australia just have a collapse or umpiring decisions or the weather or just something always seems to go their way. Those big moments are an incredible catch so far. It hasn't happened, and it's a contributing factor why they're 2-0 down. Jackson has said that their bowling attack is simply not performing. Broad and Anderson are getting too old. Don't even get him started on Mo and Ali. I completely agree on that, and don't know how he's been picked for the test match. That's about to start in 45 minutes. Uh, Ollie Robinson bowls pies. Tongue is an okay bowler. While you compare that to the bowling attack of Australia, it just leaps and bounds better, and it's he's spot on here, Jackson. Ollie Robinson bowling pies. You know, if you, you want to have a good laugh, go on YouTube and look at what Billy Brownless said about Ollie Robinson. Uh, their bowling hasn't been good enough. Australia have always been able to have runs on the board, whether it be 417 in the first innings on a green top, 
you know, whether it be extending their lead out for a second innings or whether it be chasing down the target uh, of, of 280-odd in the fourth innings uh, in the first test. They just haven't been able to take wickets, plain and simple. And the bowling attack, yes, they're without Joffre Archer, um, which does hurt. But the fact is he hasn't been in the side for a long time because of his injuries. So, you know, Mark Woods playing this test match, Chris Wokes, you know, maybe that'll be a change for him. But maybe Mark Woods the only one Australia might fear a little bit because of his pace but their bowling attack just simply isn't there and they don't have a spinner as well Mo and Ali can't bowl plain and simple Uh, Nicholas has said that it's just been the way they've handled the game when the English had a handle on the game they were you know they were on the throats of Australia they always just seemed to let Australia back into the game and that's right in the first test I completely agree they were always on top I said at the time they were on top four and a half days but they never put Australia away and it's probably flipped even in the second test match Australia always on top and even when England threatened it was the rash shots like I said losing 6 for 47 on the start of day 3 they lacked that intent that ruthlessness to stay at the crease and go you know what nothing's getting past me I'm not going to play a bad shot like I'm like I'm a Harry Brook or something like that so he's spot on there exactly uh, Mickey Winslow has said they're cocky and shit so yeah spot on there uh, from Mick uh, Callan Fazio it says when it comes down to it, they don't care enough about winning. They need to put aside their egos and do what it takes to finish the job. Pretty brutal there uh, from Cal, but again, spot on. All this talk, all this how good are we, you've got zero wins, mate. Against Australia, you've won two tests since 2017 against Australia. Two. Two. And that was the 2019 Ashes series. You've got nothing over us. Nothing. And I know that this could come back to bite me. I could post this podcast and Australia uh, are sent in and we're four for 20, you know, and, and I've jinxed the whole series. But I just can't see it happening. They're so invested in this philosophy of basball and how good are we. You've done nothing, lads. You've won nothing. No Ashes. Don't contend for the World Test Championship. You haven't got a hope. So put your egos away and start playing proper cricket shots and maybe it'll go that way. And uh, and Dex, uh, Dex has a, a been on this podcast quite a bit, whether it be for St Kilda, whether it be for cracking it at Australia. Well, he's cracked it at England and just basically said they're soft, uh, which, yeah, again, brutal, soft. They're not ruthlessness. I think everyone there who I've mentioned is... is got the same premise they they lack the ruthlessness they refuse to go away from the philosophy even when it continues to fail and no one's been able to really put their head down and go you know what i'm going to give it to australia i'm going to be ruthless and i'm going to win this test match or try to win this test match for my team outside of ben stokes no one else has done that that's why they're tuning down thank you to everyone who's tuned into this very lengthy uh, review of the second test. Third test gets underway in about 40 minutes' time, and uh, let's hope for all Aussies' sake that uh, we can go 3-0 up, and, uh, well, my 3-1 prediction, I might have to change that to 5-0, but we shall see what happens. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you all next time here on Aussie Talks. A short ball, Pavan moves back and falls fastly past square leg. So this is cricket.